Well, I don't know about you, but I want to believe that people are generally going to do the right thing. Right? I want to believe that people are going to engage the world in a way that is honest and kind and compassionate and just. And unfortunately, one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn in my life as a pastor and just as a human being is that people are not always going to look out for what's best for one another. Right? They're not going to look out for what's best for me. And sadly, that's probably kind of an understatement because sometimes people are going to outright try to tear each other down and they're going to try to tear me down. Now, maybe I've been a bit naive, but I've always, you know, kind of expected the best in people. Now, David Zoll, uh, my guest today, would say that that expectation is rooted in what he calls a high anthropology, and that maybe what we need instead is a low anthropology, a way of understanding humanity as being essentially limited and broken and focused on their own good. Now, why would we need that? Because that sounds utterly depressing, doesn't it? But David Zoll makes the case that a low anthropology actually helps us lead in a way that is more gracious and brings about more healing for people who are broken, and that includes ourselves. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 165 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Hey everyone, I'm here with David Zoll. David is the founder and director of Mockingbird Ministries, uh, as well as the author of Low Anthropology, The Unlikely Key to a Gracious View of Others and Yourself. Hi David, how are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, And uh, why don't you just kind of tell us briefly uh, what you do. Sure. I am beaming uh, to you from Charlottesville, Virginia, so central Virginia, uh, where I run an organization called Mockingbird. We're, we're essentially a platform for connecting the grace of God and with mm. all sorts of aspects of everyday life. And by platform, I mean we publish a print ma- magazine, which you can see behind me. Okay. And um, uh, we have podcasts of our own, very active website, mm. conferences, etc. Uh, but I also serve on the staff uh, part-time of Christ Episcopal Church here, nice. uh, which is where our offices are. And uh, that's what I so I do a, li- a lot of writing and a lot of speaking uh-huh. and some work with undergraduate um, students here at the university that sort of oh. come to our church. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, and um, exciting news. Um, your building that you're in right now is being re-roofed. And so we may get to hear a little bit of that in the background. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but yes, yeah, right. <laughs> today is the day that like an army of roofers descended, oh like with, you know, <laughs> repelled onto our roof. Yeah. Like a so, military operation. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, good. Well, uh, I want to ask you just a quick little get to know you question. And that is what would one of your pet peeves be, uh, David? <laughs> Oh, one of my pet peeves is when I'm watching a movie with someone and they ask me uh, a question about the plot, uh, mm. but I'm watching the same movie they are and I do not know any answers that they have don't know. Right. So, I, I, I mean, this is, I think, a very common uh, dynamic in marriages and it's uh, playful, but sometimes my <laughs> wife will ask me some explanatory question and I'll have to say, clean slate? I, I haven't watched this movie before either. <laughs> right, and uh, right. it kind of takes me out of the flow of it. It's easily yeah. forgivable and I am, uh, sure. Lord knows, 
I have all sorts of irritating habits. But, uh, of um, course. <laughs> my kids do it now too. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, I get called on as an authority on things that I've never watched or seen or heard before uh, while, they're, while I'm consuming them. That's great. How old are your kids? <laughs> I have three boys, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Awesome. Awesome. It sounds like a, yeah. a fun, probably somewhat rambunctious household. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Boys, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess having my office re-roofed is... It's it's not out of the ordinary in terms of the sound noise level of my yeah, life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, um, this is, I don't know uh, roofing in um, at uh, you know um, at an inordinate time uh, and uh, and three young boys sounds like a good transition to talking about low anthropology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that um, again. The, the, I'll just mention the title again because I think it's a great title. So low anthropology. And then the subtitle is The Unlikely Key to a Gracious View of Others and Yourself. And I would love for you just to kind of just uh, describe for us or define for us, what does it mean? What, what does low anthropology mean? And in contrast to high anthropology? Sure. I, I mean, an anthropology, it sounds like a highfalutin word, but it's really just your view of human nature. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, cultural anthropology is the stuff you you see at universities with people studying kind of the the way that, you know, tribes in, in, in the Australian outback operate. But just anthropology itself is, is the way philosophers and theologians use it is as a sort of shorthand for what you believe about uh, what human beings are and yeah. what they're good at, what they're not good at, if there's any principles that govern our behavior, limitations, liabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to, and I think everyone has an anthropology. Everyone has something they mean when they say, I'm only human, or that mm-hmm. was a very human thing to do, or that was, mm-hmm. a, I feel very dehumanized, all these, these mm-hmm. sorts of things. It's, 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 it operates in all over the place. Um, yeah. So our anthropology creates expectations yeah. and it, it sort of forms what we expect of other people and ourselves that, yeah. and that, so that relates to our, our relationships and our families and our clearly our jobs and our politics, but very much our churches and, um, mm-hmm indeed our relationship with God. So mm. uh, I chart this on a, high, a continuum of high to low and high anthropology being the kind of, um, you know, reach for the stars, a sort of a more optimistic view of human nature as yeah. being relatively not, not perfectible perhaps, but capable of a whole lot more than we currently are doing. Okay. Um, in, in, endlessly improvable, you might want to say. Okay. Optimizable in today's mm-hmm. parlance. So it's it, high anthropologies are usually kind of more grandiose. Mm. On the surface, they're more inspiring uh, understanding of uh, ambitious understandings of human nature. Mm-hmm. Low anthropology is the uh, it would be any kind of understanding of human nature as inherently limited, mm-hmm. um, compromised. Uh, I would just call it a more sober understanding of mm. human nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the weaknesses tell the stories of our lives probably more than the strengths. Yeah. And um, I think this is it, what what's, it actually sounds kind of depressing yeah, yeah. Uh, or downbeat. But of course, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of, I reference one of the, what I think is the, one of the patron saints of low anthropology being Anne Lamott, mm. who says, you know, everyone is broken, screwed up, clingy and scared. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, even the people you think who have it more or less, more or less together, yeah. they're much more like you than you would care to believe. So try not to compare your insides too much with their outsides. Yeah. So that as a kind of statement mm. is a low anthropology that also I think conveys the, the relief yeah. and this yeah. camaraderie and the solidarity yeah. of being a human being that I think is, goes hand in hand with low mm. anthropology. That's great. And so, um, I, I, you know, you make the case, I, I think, uh, sort of to summarize that we should embrace more of a low anthropology than a high anthropology. And um, that's very, very general. Um, but why? 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 Uh, what's the danger of high anthropology? And what's the benefit of a low anthropology? Sure. I think that the danger of a high anthropology, as I see it, or let me just say the book was inspired Mm-hmm. by observing the what I would call the fallout of a high anthropology. And it's kind of mm. a default view, you know, uh-huh. um, a kind of a uh, hubris is another way to talk about high mm. anthropology. But a, uh, I was looking around and I was, I was hearing the word burnout everywhere. Mm. Everyone was burned out. Pastors were burned out. Uh, healthcare workers were burned out. Millennials were burned out. You know, high school kids were burned out. You know, even you know, men in their 40s and young mother, everyone was burned out. And there was a sense in which we had, we have maybe unintentionally embraced a set of demands that are unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people feeling like life is demanding more of them than they could ever possibly fulfill. And it's, it's driving them crazy and it's making them miserable. Yeah. So burnout was one thing I was hearing a lot about. I was also mm-hmm. hearing a lot about vulnerability, which is kind of a buzzword, which I think is a good buzzword. But mm-hmm. usually vulnerability is, is connote, connotes to some kind of admission of weakness, mm-hmm. Foy, not just foible, but mistake and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mess. And yeah. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a moral word, really, but it, 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 it does open the door for people to be honest about themselves. And usually mm-hmm. what they're being honest about is not how great they are, but how much right. they struggle, how hard life is, right. how much they shoot themselves in the foot. Right. And... Um, the other thing was loneliness. So these were the kind of the three watchwords. And I think that a lot of the accounts of loneliness in our society, which is sort of skyrocketed in every conceivable demographic loneliness, mm-hmm. people talk about a kind of a culture that is completely intolerant of, of, of weakness, of, mm-hmm. of, um, of any kind of flaw. And yeah. so, so, you know, social media being the great engine of this, where yeah. we know, never are allowed to show a chink in the armor. And as a result, no one actually feels known. Even if you're getting tons of quantifiable affirmation, you know, some, some likes yeah. and things, you're still feeling lonely because yeah. you know that's not you. You know that's yeah. a slim, that's a sliver of you. And so I felt that in each case, there was an, it, these were problems of a high anthropology. Mm. And uh, so, the, and there, there's other ways to talk about it, because mm-hmm. um, I know some people grew up with an over with it with a not just a low anthropology but a cruel anthropology. Oh, yeah, I would say, which is a kind of a you suck view of human nature. Right. And I didn't grow up with that. I grew up in uh, schools that you know were so focused on instilling us and us a sense of uh, exceptional. Um, mm-hmm value yeah. that they actually bred a sense of entitlement, I think rather yeah. because you're so spe- and people cordoned off from any experience of failure or yeah. rejection. Yeah. Um, 
So, so a low anthropology in that re- in that respect, it it it, it puts people on an even playing field. Hmm. It says that uh, contrary to appearances, no one is actually uh, everyone is in, in in some key ways making it up as they go along. Yeah. Um, no one knows for certain about the things yeah. they're pretending to be so certain about. Yeah. And that each of us there we have a propensity for. Um, you know, hypocrisy, and there's a, even a dark side to human nature, yeah. which I think that when I when I when I say these things, the fruit of them is instead of it feeling being condemnation and shame. I think I think mm-hmm. shame is usually a fruit of high anthropology, in the sense it's like uh, um, I'm the only one who's struggling. Uh, that yeah. that's shame inducing and defeating. A low anthropology says no, actually everyone is 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 uh, struggling everyone mm. has is is what is it they're fighting a battle you can don't know anything about yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so i think a low anthropology produces compassion mm-hmm. uh and humor you know yeah. there's nothing that funny about human ingenuity it's it's yeah. what's funny is people falling on their face mm-hmm. and being able to laugh there's a freedom to it i think mm-hmm. that there's uh, but ultimately I, I feel low anthropology is a doorway into talking about grace and yeah. need and yeah. ultimately God. The book yeah. is really trying to be like, why would someone want to believe in God in the first place? Yeah. You're right. uh, without a, a, a abiding sense of uh, need. Yeah. Why, uh, you know, the, well, you know, the God is what God, if God is, God is the answer. What's the question? You know, that's sure. low anthropology. Okay. You, you know, one of the things that it comes to mind for me is, um, well, is Jesus. Um, and as you're describing this, I'm like, I, I, and, and as I was reading the book, I'm like, I, I think Jesus must have had a low anthropology, <laughs> you know? Um, um, so, and, and let me, so let me say more about that. Um, <clears throat> so if I, you know, if I think perhaps uh, correctly about high anthropology, right, it's the, the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I think this is what you're saying, is, um, right, we think very highly of humanity um, and perhaps and and uh, maybe and so then maybe that leads to expectations that are unhealthy. Is that fair to say? Uh, as, as a yeah, one, one component crushing. of it, yeah. <laughs> would you say crushing? Crushing, uh, crushing <laughs> expectations. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. And then and then the reason I say Jesus perhaps had a low anthropology is because um, I think you know when I think of Jesus, he. It's like he understood everybody. Like one of the things I'll I'll say sometimes is I think maybe one of the reasons Jesus was able to love everyone is because he knew everybody's story. Um, mm. And, you know, whether he was omniscient or not, uh, at least he knew that everybody had a story, you know. And, um, and I think that's perhaps one of the ways that we can um, learn to love is mm. and to be more gracious towards others is to recognize everybody's got a story, right? And, and, um, and it's, usually a messy story in some way there's usually mess in our stories and so anyway so that's kind of the low anthropology so so as i'm thinking about this maybe that's the connection between low anthropology and grace but maybe say more about that what what's the connection between low anthropology and grace well i love what you've just said about every jesus knew that people had a story Hmm. because that's the um you know one of the things i try to say in the book is that the only reason the main reason you mm-hmm. think that other family in church or that other church or whatever, who, pastors, whoever yeah. it was, is so um, put together 
uh, yeah. is that you don't know them very well. Yeah, <laughs> right. Really, right. I mean, that's the sort of, I've, I've been in ministry now for almost 20 years, and that's the, 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 the testimony of the years is that people who you think are so p- well put together and problem-free, mm. they come to you and drop bombs some days, yeah, you know, and yeah. um, you think, oh my gosh, no one gets out of this alive. And, um, but it also means that the people who are sort of the bad actors in life, it means if you actually knew what they'd had to walk through, you you right. might be a little slower to judge them, or to yeah. you might uh, or to put them on the other side of whatever dividing line you've we have mm. we've cast. So, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think that grace is th- is the sort of way that God loves you and me, and that mm-hmm. He is not um, um, not through our somehow our deserving but through mm-hmm. some attribute of God's that by which God uh, wants to extend love yeah. to us simply um, in, in full view of our reality, not apart from it. And I think that's a really important thing. I, I think that the love we experience in life, to the extent that it's, you know, a kind of a, a first John experience or some kind of, you know, reflection of God's love. Um, yeah. We're loved... <laughs> When, when people find out what's on our resume and they just adore us, that's respect and that's adoration. Mm-hmm. But we don't experience love until they know what's not on the resume. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they might reject us mm-hmm. for the stuff we leave off. They, I mean, uh, but if you go to the rehearsal dinner at the wedding, you know, you're going to hear toasts that are not going to say, this is a perfect person. What you're going to hear is the bridesmaids are going to say, Yes, she's beautiful, mm. but let me tell you what she's like in her sweatpants on a Tuesday night when, mm. you know, when we're watching reality TV and, yeah. you know, she's real. And, yeah. and she saw me through the worst breakup I've ever had. And, or, or you yeah, see yeah. the guys get up there and just roast the heck out of each yeah, other. So right. it's a <clears throat> love. I like to say love travels on the rails of a low anthropology hmm. because um, hmm. it is uh, love never makes any sense outside of some kind of uh, knowledge and knowledge is – Knowledge of um, not of our strengths, but of our yeah. blind spots, of our and our sin. You know, yeah. low anthropology, by the way, is not a euphemism for sin. It contains that. I try to break uh, it down into three pillars, which I know you, you're going to ask me about. But yeah. it, it it contains that. Yeah. But it's also trying to con- talk about limitation and yeah. conflictedness, and yeah. so. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, talk about those three pillars. Uh, the three pillars of uh, low anthropology. Sure. I think the fir- the first one is just limitation, and there's more, no mm-hmm. sort of real moral. Uh, it's kind of a for Christians, theologians. I'm really talking about creatureliness, mm-hmm. uh, finitude. Mm-hmm. That there is a God, and it's not you. <laughs> um, yeah. And that you, we are we are limited. We're limited by time. You know, we can't be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. We're limited by our bodies. You know, we need sleep. We need food. Yeah. Um, we're limited by our context, by our place in history, by our upbringing yeah. by our you know all these things yeah. and that's um excuse me in in a world that kind of think talks about how you can transcend these limitations or or may yeah. pay lip service to limitations but really says well with the help of this master class you can actually transcend yeah. these things or these yeah. this uh technology hack but it also yeah. you know limitations also uh, epistemological limitations so that mm-hmm. there's a limit to what you can know and my experience of 2023 is very much a is feeling like I'm in the crossfire of w- warring certainties and everyone is a hundred percent certain about things. And, um, 
as a Christian, you know, I have strong convictions about a few things, and um, but I, I I don't have mastery. I'm not God. I, there, there's yeah. always something more I could find out. I, I, right. There's no. I, it's not simply not available. Complete mm. comprehension is not available to yeah. a finite creature like me. So that's limitation. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, second thing is uh, doubleness. And doubleness is my way of talking about Romans 7 or inner conflict. It's the yeah. idea that there, we are all a bundle of competing motivations. Mm. And so uh, human motivation is not just one thing or another. It's such... It, it is complicated to the extent that we often act in ways that we don't understand or that we are mm-hmm. mysterious and other people confuse us. And this is, you know, most pronounced in the matters of addiction where we know it's the right thing, but we seem to do this. Uh, doubleness is, uh, is, is uh, completely tied up with the idea that we are driven by emotions. We are, we are, we are af- affective creatures before mm. we are intellectual ones. Mm. That the the you know the intellectual tail and, uh, yeah. what, and the, the wagging the, the heart, um, so and that's so that's that's kind of a counterintuitive message today. When 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 a lot of what we receive is if I just tell you the right information, if I just tell you what to do. This is certainly the approach of many churches. If I just give you the right sort of Christian information, yeah. then you will be able to uh, realize it or actualize it or put it into action, application, etc. Right. And that's right. simply not the. Um, human predicament. And that's, yeah. I, I, I draw an Augustine in that, like okay. we're, um, you are what you love sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, then I talk about self-centeredness and that is sort of a yeah. euphemism for sin. It's the idea that there, that it's not just that we, um, are conflicted in what we want, but that we often want what's bad for us or what comes mm-hmm. at a cost to other people. Mm-hmm. And there is an ineluctable dark side of human nature that, mm-hmm. um, if you don't take it into account, you're going to be extremely uh, baffled by history and, and your own life and that of your children. I mean, I just, I, it, it's not the only true thing about us, but it, you know, sometimes people just want to my, look at my boys in the back seat and one of them pinches the other one just to yeah. cause him pain. <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> my job as a parent is to sort of try to contain or constrain these sorts yeah. of things and to promote much more sort of trying to understand other people. But yes, yeah. self-centeredness is mm-hmm. a bit of a, a flaw in the system that is not, you know, today you, you have people like social scientists say, well, it's evolutionarily advantageous because we need to perpetuate the species. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I just don't really buy that. Uh, even yeah. if, or even if it's true, it doesn't make it any easier when someone steps on my foot to get their way. Um, yeah. Or when what I want mm-hmm. comes at a cost to someone I love. Yeah. So those are the three pillars. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that is that is a really helpful framework for thinking about ourselves. And um, <clears throat> because this podcast kind of focuses on uh, church and ministry leadership, I'd love to sort of think about how those apply to churches. Like I can totally see how limitation applies to churches, right? Just recognizing we can't do everything um, and we're not good at everything, you know, and some things we're kind of bad at, you know. <laughs> um, and then doubleness, um, churches are constantly dealing with competing values, you know, do we want to focus on young families? Yes, we want to do that. And at the same time, uh, we don't want to let go of our old ways of doing things, you know? Um, So there's these competing values that sort of, maybe that's a kind of doubleness. And then um, self-centeredness, you know, again, uh, there's just sort of, um, yes, we want to fulfill the mission of God. We want to do good in the world. 
and we also want to take care of ourselves. Anyway, so that's that's kind of how I'm seeing some of those applied in churches. Do you see other ways? Perhaps you work in a church. Do you see other ways that these things apply to churches? Absolutely. I think some churches are trying to do too much. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying you know, trying to be the community center, the social mm. services, as well as a sort of a place, a house of worship. And mm. um or a vertical, trying to cover everyone's horizontal needs as well as the vertical needs. And then yeah. and you get people just sort of like, well, hey, this organization over there is better at doing the horizontal stuff. Uh-huh. I'll just go over there. Um, yeah. But I think, I think generally one of the things that the ability to, you know, to be honest about one's limitations is a, is a mm. real uh, yeah. A good thing that churches are able to give people the space yeah. to do yeah. on a weekly basis. I think doubleness is the, is the, is the key one. I think in a mm. lot of ways, um, uh, you know, if you're not appealing or reaching for people's hearts and they're dealing with them on the, on a desire level, you are going to be knocking your head against the wall. And I think yeah. a lot of Christian ministry leaders, um, are very frustrated and yeah. they start to hate the people they're supposed to be in charge of because mm. they, when the people act in just as mystifying and kind of strange ways as they themselves are, do. And yeah. so um, I've told them what to do. I, they need to give more. They need to come more. They need to yeah. serve more. And they just right. don't seem to do it. That is a recipe for hating their congregation. Mm. And then that comes across in other ways. So I think that I, um, but yes, I also think the values, sort of what do we hold as values, the values are only going to change when a stronger value comes along rather mm. to replace an old one, um, huh. rather than kind of arguing people into new things. So, uh, yeah. I was going to say a stronger value. So say more about that. What do you mean by when a stronger value comes along? Um, well, I, I guess I could say a heart, a change of heart. Oh, okay. Um, if um, I always take the, the example of a, of a, of a friend who is uh, very uh, addicted to a sort of a kind of video game that was actively mm. harmful. And then oh, okay. the only way they, instead of uh, they didn't just quit one day, what happened was a better video game came out uh, and they liked that one more. Now, what, how that relates to churches, pastors can fill in the blanks there, but I sure. think that you, yeah figure out um it's demonstrating how things are not maybe fulfilling in the ways or this was this was an important value for our parents but is it really something we believe and um it's it's a matter of uh people are creatures again of the heart and so Mm -hmm. uh, trying to deal with them on the level of um Mm. uh attraction and uh and 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 being compelled rather than being forced mm. or argued into something. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Go on, go on, go ahead. It looks like you're having one more thought. No, I was just thinking about self-centeredness. The way it works out is that uh, we, we preach uh, the churches um, preach forgiveness. I mean, that's like the, yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah, really yeah. the only answer to true yeah. wrongdoing in the yeah. world is not just, yeah. Uh, again, not just a, a stronger value or the acceptance of limitations, but it's yeah. like the f- forgiveness, and yeah. that's yeah. good news. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the the hardest things I think <clears throat> these days, uh, if you're a pastor or uh, in some kind of ministry leadership in a church, is um, 
just the reality that the world is not the same as it used to be, you know, um, the world that, uh, you know, I was prepared for, so to speak, uh, in seminary isn't the world that exists anymore. And even post pandemic, it's not even the same world that it was, you know, three, three and a half years ago. Um, and so that can take a toll on pastors and ministry leaders. And, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of them have, have left the, you know, the ministry have retired perhaps, or have just said, I think I'm going to try something else or, <laughs> you know, um, because it's just very difficult. And so there's a sort of, and, and they, sometimes pastors get, um, um, kind of beat up a little bit or, or just sort of become the target of complaints and not necessarily attacks, but just pressure. And, mm. uh, and that can be really hard. And so, um, uh, right. And so there's a kind of resilience that I think pastors need to develop, right? How do they become resilient enough to keep going, to take what comes at them and um, uh, not necessarily let it beat them up? But um, so so I'm wondering how a low anthropology and all the things that you've talked about can help pastors sort of develop the kind of resilience that they need in order to keep leading in challenging times. Well, I mean, I want to say I think ultimately low anthropology is a biblical anthropology. Um, mm. And so we've got the, the, the resources to draw on here. But uh, mm. pastors, if you're spending an enormous amount of your time being shocked by, by people being people, mm. that is a lot of energy wasted where it might mm. be spent on, on trying to understand them or helping them in the midst of their problems. Um, Because one of the things that a low anthropology says is that people are fundamentally in need of help, help from other people Mm -hmm. and help from God, um, deliverance from God really. Mm -hmm. But, and so how can we be of help to our neighbors is the great question rather than spending our time resenting them for needing help because we yeah. need help. So I think a, a low anthropology informs a pastor in a sort of a me first approach, like um, the lack of pretense about our own um, vulnerabilities, our own struggles. It doesn't mean it's not therapy in the pulpit or anything like that, yeah. but it would be, yeah. I think it's, it's uh, dispensing with a slightly more traditional pastor as chief spiritual yeah. role model and much right. more as kind of uh, first servant among many kind of, or um, yeah. I, I just getting back in touch mm-hmm. with, with, with that, that we're mm-hmm. the blind leading the blind. I think yeah. it's, that's very infectious to, to people today. Yes. And, and uh, what just came to mind for me is um, I think a low anthropology maybe allows the pastor, the leader to let go of the need to be the expert, you know, to be good at everything, to have all the answers, Right. I don't have yes. all the answers, <laughs> and uh, and I hate. No. I would hate it if I had to pretend like I did because I would probably be wrong about most of the things that I uh, said I'd had, have answers about. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, uncertainty yeah. is a, is can become a virtue in this respect. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. easy, which makes your life a lot easier because you don't yeah. have to be so defended all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's talk about resilience. That's. Yeah, you can say I don't know. Yeah. I don't have the full picture, but I yeah. believe that God might. You know, that's. And I think that uh, perhaps as pastors and leaders um, took on a low anthropology, then that would spread to the congregation. Um, and um, right, one of the other things that we we like to talk about at Church Leadership Institute is is uh, experimenting, uh, trying new things, because because we're in a season. 
um, in the life of the church, at least in the West, um, where we just have to try new things because the old stuff we used to do don't work. I was just talking to someone a few weeks uh, on a previous episode, and he used the example of a, a youth choir and quickly corrected himself. He's like, oh, maybe that actually isn't <laughs> a thing anymore. I'm like, that's true. I don't think it is. Right. But uh, those kinds of things, we're not going to attract people to our churches through youth choirs. Uh, so we need to try new things. And uh, perhaps mm. a low anthropology uh, would give us uh, permission to fail. Right. I think we need to be willing to fail. You have any thoughts on on that? That's beautiful. Failure. I mean, it's 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 God's, it's grace. You know, it keeps yeah. us grounded in grace. I really think a low anthropology um, allows us to um, encourage people in their giftings. You know, yeah. it's acknowledgement that everyone's gifted in different ways, and yeah. like we need each other. Again, that's yeah. idea of the body yeah. is a very important New Testament imagery. But I think a low anthropology also, by the way, goes hand in glove with a high Christology or a high mm. pneumatology. So mm. it's. It's hopeful because it puts the onus mm-hmm. on God, on the Holy Spirit yeah. to do the work, the changing, yeah. the leading. Yeah. And yes, absolutely, there's the freedom to play. I think that ministers mm. uh, think that they're, everything's so dead serious because we're, because we're dealing with very, very serious sure. life and death things. Yeah. But I think a low anthropology uh, that, that keeps people grounded and, and um, uh, not taking themselves too seriously gives you the yeah. freedom. I think the gospel gives us the freedom yeah. to play, and that involves yeah. when it comes to ministry as well. And um, yeah. and whenever that's whenever we're doing what we you know what what our heart is sort of leading us or God is leading us through the Holy Spirit to do, rather than what yeah. we think we should do or have to do in order to perpetuate this program at our church, like freedom, play, grace, laughter. Yeah. Low anthropology is is right at the heart of all yeah. of these things. Yeah. High anthropology yeah. says one false move and you're done. You know, um, low Man. anthropology I think lets us yeah. breathe breathe a little uh, bit. Yes, yeah, I love that. There's uh, there's freedom, right, and um, and not constraint. Um, and I think perhaps it's uh, uh, a whole other topic, but perhaps when there's a high anthrop- uh, high anthropology, maybe that's where churches are more prone to control and maybe even abuse and um i don't know anyway we're not going to go there <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do another episode at some point about that but i'm not an expert on that but but um but the low i, I love the concept like of the freedom the openness of a low anthropology letting people be in a sense who they are but also encouraging and inspiring one another recognizing who we are as human beings with our limitations and our doubleness and our even our self-centeredness, right? And um, yeah, yeah. It's, share, it's share. not it's not turning a blind eye to you know misbehavior, or difficulty, or yeah. suffering. It's really yeah. yeah. Uh, but but not wasting time being surprised by those things and, yeah. or shocked. Yeah. And um, looking to the one who can actually um, change them uh, or right. relieve yeah. them to yeah. do to do the work he's promised to do. That's right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, this is such a great book, and uh, I've really enjoyed our our conversation. Um, uh, David, if people wanted to find out more about you and the work that you're doing, where could they go? Well, mbird.com, M-B-I-R-D.com is Mockingbird's website. You can find all sorts of stuff that we're involved in. I also uh, host a podcast called The Mockingcast, which is available wherever podcasts are sold. And Low Anthropology is available to buy wherever people... um, my books. I also wrote a book called Seculosity that seemed to uh, hit a bit of a nerve um, mm. a few years ago. But okay. yeah, those are some places. 
Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thanks so much for this conversation. And uh, thanks, David, for uh, all the good work that you're doing. Thank you, Marcus. I really appreciate it. You know, it sounds so counterintuitive, doesn't it? That maybe we need a low anthropology in order to lead our churches and ministries in a healthy way. Uh, And I love what David said about expectations, that whatever our anthropology is will inform our expectations. And so if we have a high anthropology, we will expect people to always do the right and good thing with total selflessness, or at least most of the time. Uh, But that expectation, right, will leave us sorely disappointed with humanity. On the other hand, if we view the world with a low anthropology, we won't be surprised by people's brokenness. We will expect it. And we will then be able to respond with grace. Well, leading churches in a broken world, that's the challenge of ministry leadership, isn't it? And here at the Church Leadership Institute, we want to help you take on that challenge. And so we're always developing new and valuable resources to help you navigate ministry leadership. And if you want to stay up to date on all of those resources, uh, then I want to invite you to sign up for the Church Leadership Institute newsletter at www.dupree.org church. Uh, and finally, if you found this episode valuable, would you share it with someone you know? And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, would you rate and review the podcast? That uh, makes the podcast more findable for others. Well, thanks so much for being here, and I'll see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Spiritual Life and Leadership.